0: Okay, so yeah, has anyone got anything they'd like to bring in, bring up? Yeah, sure. So it's uh, a reflection. Use the word samadhi, and you know, the attention didn't grab it all, and so it's a little reprise or uh, what, what's helpful to know about samadhi. So. Um The experience of um, gathering, unifying, harmonizing that we can do in in our meditations is referred to as samadhi. Um, It means gathering together on the particular thing here. And so we choose something to pay attention to which has a certain degree of subtlety and then the mind kind of absorbs into that, stays with that object in a more steady way than it often does. So, when we talk about this word distraction, right, that would be kind of, in a sense, the opposite of samadhi. Yeah? And distraction means pulled apart, pulled away from something. And so, the opposite of being pulled away from something is gathering together into, or alongside, or with. Yeah, and that's kind of samadhi. Yeah. That's great. Uh, just ref- reflect on the, the uh, try and repeat rather, the, the question for the recording and for everyone to hear. Um, and so just set me right when I veer away from it. Yep. So this sense of seeing the impermanence, the inconstancy of things can be helpful, but it can also feel like, well, how does that then relate to kind of long term um, um, endeavours? you know, and also using this example from business to say, you know, it's like, you know, there are ups and downs and things, but generally kind of working for long-term engagement with things also feels like it's really helpful not to say, well, it doesn't last, it doesn't matter, and just how to kind of stop um, from kind of falling into nihilism while we step away from a sense, well, you know, this is fixed, this will be fixable and and will end up in a lasting place so do you want to say something or do you want me to okay (laughs) i i sense yeah um so uh, maybe just like a general thing that not all metaphors work you know so like transferring meditation practice to business world you know it, it doesn't always work not all practices also transfer across you know, and so, you know, if you go back into your work and then you're just saying to everyone, wait, hey, you know, it's all a Nietzsche. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, it, you know, they might say, and so is your job. Thanks for coming. <laughs> <You know. laughs> so the the right mode for the right lens in those kind of things. Yeah. Also, in our own life, in our own um, things we want to see come into being, it may not be helpful to keep dropping in that view. Yeah. So just keep coming back to this key point, which kind of can't be emphasized enough, although I, I don't want to sound like a broken record. It's useful more than it's true. It's useful more than it's true. In the same way as we said, make sure that your practice today is appropriate to to what you need, yeah. Hierarchical, only a, in relationship to appropriate. Not, oh that sounds more difficult, therefore it's a better practice, I should do that. This sounds more challenging. So just that's just in terms of reminder of the framework. Practically what what we can say, yeah. Are we attached to the result of this outcome? yeah have we gripped onto the result of this outcome in the long term and in the short term? That's what we're playing with, yeah that opening there right now, understanding that it's a Nietzsche, deeper understanding understanding that it depends on the way of relating and it depends the way of relating depends on the way of acting, which depends on the way of seeing understanding yeah opens up this possibilities we can go for long term visions but we know we're not the only factor here you know there's other factors also involved this cannot be controlled in the way that we might think if it were a fixed thing it's a dynamic unfolding happening dependent on a lot of causes and conditions but we are one of them and let's just make sure that we're operating in the most skillful wholesome kind of way and that relates right now in the meditation practice how I'm relating. I'm having a painful sensation. Is that because of something I did, or is it because bodies experienced pain somewhere at some time? Yeah, but then how I meet it is really significant. Yeah, so any moment of experience is made up of a phenomena, an appearance that we are relating to and. It depends on the atmosphere of attention that I bring there. Can't always change what that phenomena is, but we can have quite an influence on the atmosphere. So when I talk about atmosphere we could say degrees of kindness, degrees of acceptance, you know degrees of um, care, you know we can play with that. I could meet this with more care or less care and that's really going to change the experience. It may not seem like at first it's even going to change the phenomena and that doesn't need to be our goal but it will actually also change the phenomena because the phenomena is an appearance in the heart and mind. And so the heart and mind is affected by the atmosphere. Okay, so didn't want to you know lay that out too complexly, but right now what we're looking at is like what happens when I see this as a Nietzsche? And can that still allow for me to stay in touch with my deepest intentions of what I want to do with this life. Yeah. And that can be long-term exploration. So how does that land? Yeah, maybe I'll just,
1: it's working. Yeah. Maybe I'll just, uh, just repeat that Luke's response, um, which is, um, which is just kind of finding that usually after retreats, there's a, a natural letting go of attachments and a sense of fluidity with life, which is very, very... Um, there's a lot of well-being in it, and, f- and like having a sense maybe this practice uh, is a tool that can be used uh, in life to, to kind of support that lasting longer. Yeah. Yeah. After retreat, it's there, and then it naturally kind of tends to uh, decline after some time. So I, I would just add that... Um, that, yeah, we, do, we, we can develop skills in meditation which are about applying ways of looking also outside of formal meditation practice. So that's kind of what you're saying. And I'm just saying, yes, <laughs> it's possible. Uh, and this can be, if this is, but I would say try it in practice now, get to know it in practice, see, is this something that works for me? If it is, we can then bring it in our lives to areas where we feel ourselves getting contracted, attached, Um, limited um, blocked you know all these words that we've been using here yeah yeah it is a can be an insight that we apply
0: and and this is more something also for the long term but because we're talking long term is like getting to know that these practices are working what we'll notice is an increase in the in the beneficial mood of the thinking that goes on for us like that sense of freedom, that f- sense that things are touching us, is it increases the sense of generosity, increases the sense of gratitude, increases the sense of goodwill to to other beings, more and more and more beings. It that something starts to expand. And when that expansion is there, then we kind of know, okay, so the practice is still having an impact. And when that starts to shrink back and the thoughts become more about greediness and aversiveness, you know, doubt and confusion and things like that, so okay.
1: Time to go on retreat. Well, yeah. Thank you t- you. Know, so
0: something's off in the practice and so it's like good way we can tell yeah great so just reflecting back you know um there are certain experiences which we just need to meet with kindness and we can't get rid of them and you know it's just like has to be included otherwise we're being rejective and that's dukkha and that's not a pleasant experience and then there are some things which actually need real engagement and pushing through or maybe putting down actually that's not helpful that you know that thought pattern well it's not helpful i see that it's not helpful and i just release it and so we understand that there are different approaches at different times and you know it's it's all part of the training and you know too too many pointers starts to get confusing but like for you yeah it sounds like that's good understanding good way of relating to it this, this principle that we talked about, this is now back for everyone. You know, this samudaya, on what does this depend? On what does this depend? Yeah. How am I meeting this? What different way of relating to this might be helpful here? Yeah.
1: So I can um, just repeat the question. It's it's just feeling uh, today really um, feeling as if there's two modes <laughs> uh, either very sen- a sense of tiredness and sleepiness and fogginess and dullness, or a a sense of being uh, really concerned about um, the the kind of the bodily impact that my body sounds and other things might be having on other people, and that kind of just feeling like that's the movement between those two modes, and feeling rather stuck in how do I shift um, uh, from there, yeah, so great question, (laughs) very relevant to to many. so a few interesting things in that. One is to see that you know, we can feel stuck and then even in that stuckness, there's a movement yeah, between two modes. Yeah. And we can say one mode is, w- is a mode more of dullness and low energy. The other mode is, is a mode of some degree of agitation. Yeah. It's mental agitation. It's got a particular tone, a particular story, narrative, but it's, a, it's an agitation. Um, so just seeing that, I don't know how that, Kind of what that does we just see ah there is there is a movement there nathan was talking a little bit yesterday about sometimes finding then the middle way once we recognize ah there's there's actually a relationship there's a movement here between less energy and then more energy yeah the the thinking um and so just kind of seeing that relationship can be can be interesting and how do i uh, how do i bring them together how just how does seeing it just create more space so with both of those modes, yeah, either the one of low energy or the one of kind of agitation, one thing that can be helpful is more space, yeah, and more brightness also with both of them, yeah, because both in the, in the in particular agitation you're describing, it's a looping kind of agitation in quite a small space, right? Yeah, uh, and so in both of them, I would say, yeah, spaciousness, so opening out, If you can whole body or to sound might be helpful yeah so that you're opening up the space of awareness and also exploring what could brighten yeah what could brighten now the brightening could come just from seeing oh look it's changing what about if I'm interested (laughs) in this movement when does it shift from the dullness to the agitation when does it go back yeah you know, just and and the shift is again not in the, not so much in the thought, but actually in the more feeling, um, sensory, energetic realm. Yeah? So it might come that there's brightness and spaciousness just with that. Maybe that the spaciousness is um, with a kind of opening out the awareness. Uh, it might be the brightness and spaciousness come in with with a sense of compassion or or meta kindness. Yeah, that that's a way of bringing them in. And hopefully, that's kind of getting. Sense for people how all these practices tie together. Yeah, so maybe it's the kindness and compassion of ah. one of the phrases I love. Is ah, it's like this today, <laughs> or it's like this right now. Actually, it's like this right now. And this is how it is. What happens if I bring kindness to that um, to that experience? Mm, beautiful. Yeah, just that change in the tone of voice of actually, and the sense of could really feel it from you, the sense of brightening of saying, oh, actually, this is something I'm interested in learning. How do I bring more kindness so that challenge becomes an opportunity? Again, Nathan was talking about that last night. And that shift that we can make of saying, oh, yeah, this is not pleasant, <laughs> but it also is because this is something I want to, to get to know, something I want to learn. Yeah, so the brightening there. Uh, and, then, and then the shift in the tone from why is this like this? To, oh, okay, bring more kindness. Uh, it's, okay, it's tiredness. Ah, uh, it's agitation. Bring more kindness. How do I do that? Let's explore. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Great, great. So, again, I'll just try and uh, give a good representation of, of the question. I'm the press. So,. <laughs> um, we have this uh, sense, you know, you just shared some real appreciation for the, you know, bringing in that insight into, into practice, into daily life, and also reflecting into the life, seeing places where it's really helpful. Helpful in particular in the personal life where we see that a, a lack of seeing a Nietzsche really led to a lot of grasping onto things which we now see ah, couldn't last, couldn't last. But there's also um, stress and difficulty in the existence. It actually comes from the actions of others, you know, and significant others, um, including you know the boss or you know those you know who who journal our lives in journalism and the press and the news and those kinds of things. All have a um, a so-called we could say you know external impact into this present. And is it helpful to see that they are a Nietzsche, you know? So we could kind of like throw it back what seeing that they're in each is that helpful you know Um, kind of seeing and exploring for yourself again this is a a teaching and practice which is offered to be useful it's i think most useful in the meditation experience you know seeing that seeing that really helps to let go in those um, areas in other areas of our life it may or may not be helpful But at times we'll certainly see that it is you know that any person being um out there and kind of might just drop this into the meta meditation later on they themselves are anicca you know that, that also in the long term you know and but also in this moment their thoughts their feelings their emotions their personality their patterns of behavior their body sensations and their Consciousness and their intentions towards us—they're all in constant flow and flux, and our image of them many times is not that way. We have a fixed image of people. Oh yeah, you know, Dave—he's a really generous person. (laughs) Apart from when he's not generous and he doesn't, you know. (laughs) so, So we get these ideas and we fix these things, and we don't allow for those flexibilities. Also, we apply roles to people, you know, and so there can be whole practices where it's really helpful just to turn towards someone to say, you know, you could take a son, a father, a partner or whatever, and you turn to them and you say, this is not my partner, this is not my son, this is not my father, and we just see, oh yeah, that label was constraining, containing them in this way, and so... You can turn towards the press, let's say, as you get like example, I say, "This is not the press. There is no press." And we get into that, underneath that label, into the subtler thing. it's like, "Oh, it's just a bunch of people trying to perhaps, you know, do their best, pay their bills, whatever it is, with all kinds of different intentions. And they're not a one fixed thing. They're not morphous. They are amorphous, they're dynamic, they're different you meet one of them, it's like, oh, I thought the press were like that, and you're like this, you know. It's like, So we getting underneath the labels can also be helpful in that way of understanding the practice. Yeah. Um, maybe just to say this thing, you know, can, can be, you know, a nice thing to say at times, you know, it's like our practice is, is seeing a Nietzsche and going with the flow, you know. It's actually seeing a Nietzsche and what that does to the way we see things. So there's not a preordained outcome to this practice. And it might be seeing the Nietzsche and really standing up and saying, no, that's not okay. Yeah? Like it, it's not contradistinctive to, to, the, to the understanding. You know, so we can still act in the world, still stand up for injustice, unfairness, unskillfulness in ourselves and in others and say, actually, let's not do that. Let's not do that. There's, there's a different way, there's a better way. Yeah, and that inconstancy allows for the possibility of change. It can't stay the same anyway. So let's shape it, free it, liberate it. Thank you. Think yes, great. So um, in the talk last night speaking about greed and how through our practice life that becomes more subtle and with that how that supports more sensitivity um and kind of like speak a bit about that because it's kind of doesn't seem quite the right way um so if we took it like from another way around which is is it okay that i respond to this
1: yeah Good. the question was to you
0: in a sense yeah um let's let's say that we kind of feel something uh sense something pleasant coming into the experience and it's maybe a very subtle very refined kind of thing it's like oh that's really nice and then we think oh, i'm gonna get some more of that you know we start to build up this story around it and it's like ah i'm gonna do this every day so that i get more of this every day and you can see that, that kind of like builds up this experience and then eventually it'll build up to this thing it's like i can't live with life unless this is here and then we're kind of getting into that greed modality yeah. And so in that sense, we've built this up from something that's more subtle and quiet. And so we might see this experience in our life around things and it's like, you know, I feel a sense of greed towards that thing and I think, yeah, but that can't last and I let go. It could be one way that we do this, letting go. There are many, many ways, but this is one way and that's what it also supports. As we do that, the experience that is underneath that moves down towards this subtler and subtler mode you know it kind of disintegrates from that built up layer so it's almost like each layer we put another wrapping on it you know like a pass the parcel and each letting go we let off and we come down to a layer but that layer beneath that's that entity within a layer beneath is more subtle and to know something more subtle sensitivity needs to increase So it's not necessarily that sensitivity does increase but if we're knowing it then it must have. Yeah. So the experience is more subtle so attention becomes more refined. And it could be like oh I need to train my attention to become more refined or I need to train myself to stay more steady with more sensitive things. That just seems to naturally start happening. The more subtle an experience becomes it is known which means that sensitivity comes in. So it kind of creates that sensitivity or that sensitivity arises at a certain time it is a little bit you know like the eyes adjusting in a dark room you know it takes time stay with it there must be something here it must be in constant just can't see it seems like a constant thing staying with it staying with it so oh it's at yeah it's moving it's it's fluid it's fl- and i can let go again oh another layer just dropped off so it's kind of more working in in that way and i think get the sense that it's like oh okay yeah that kind of fits together a little bit better yeah all right thanks a lot
1: um so I'll repeat the the kind of reflection slash question uh that we've referred a few times to um heart mind body being in in dynamic in relationship with each other and kind of co-creating experience and being mutually dependent um and Just wondering, because in your experience sometimes it feels particularly the heart and mind are pulling in different directions and then that has an impact on the body, definitely seeing that very clearly. Uh, Wondering if there's anything we can offer uh, and how to relate to that and how to bring more harmony uh, between the heart and mind. Does that capture it? Yeah, okay. So... um, Maybe one thing. I mean, this is really interesting in, 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 the, in relationship to concepts and language. Yeah. So when we, we speak about heart and mind, but actually in Dharma, heart and mind are one thing. Yeah. There's one word, citta, C-I-T-T-A, heart, mind. Uh, it kind of uh, includes the mental, emotional life. Well, actually, it kind of refers to the mental life. Emotions are part of that. And we can see how that could make sense, right? Whereas for us... In coming from from our culture, they are uh, distinct and often presented as oppositional. Yeah? You know, that's a lot of how it comes across in poetry and literature and philosophy, like such a strong thing of actually that they're distinct from each other and they're oppositional. So I think this in itself can be really interesting because it shows how we take things, yeah, they're part of our conceptual framework. They're part of the kind of underlying way of viewing, Nathan was talking about it this morning, the world, and then they shape experience. Yeah, yeah they shape our experience. If we see this as two distinct things that are oppositional um, or potentially oppositional, or we think, oh, heart and mind, they're, part, they're, they're one thing that includes many, many different um, aspects uh, to it. So I'm going to just reframe your question in, in one um, model that i find really helpful yeah which is actually to say okay there's different voices within us each of us yeah uh and and we know that right there's different aspects of different voices sometimes we see them as mind as mind and heart the mind might be more the the kind of the voice that um kind of is more maybe authoritarian has ideas um has goals uh the heart might be more associated with the part that's you know, the more feminine, the more receptive, the more listening, um, the more interested in our well-being. I mean, they can, they, can, they can have different flavors. I don't know if those are your flavors. Uh, but what if we see both of them as part of um, this model is called the committee of the mind. <laughs> that actually, our heart-mind, it's like a committee of different voices, of different flavors, of different aspects that are saying different things. And some, just like in any group of voices, any group of people, any committee you've ever been on if you've had the great joy of being on one, some will be more dominant than others. They'll speak louder. They'll talk more, yeah. And these are tend to be then the ones that we listen to. And then we get more of this divisiveness. So um, one way is just to see, ah, what happens when I see it that way? Ah, there's there's a committee here and there's these two. Yeah, who else is there? Yeah? Who else is there? And and we can nominate, yeah, we can say, ah, where's the what, what does the voice of compassion say? What does the voice of uh, wisdom say? What does the voice of a Nietzsche say? Of seeing the inconstant inconstancy say. Yeah. So um that way, you know, we're kind of more inclusive and we can also kind of take authority yeah, over this committee meeting and say to, you know, the voice that's saying you should be like this or your life should look like this or whatever that is. Okay, thank you, heard you. <laughs> Let's open up to some other voices. You know, compassion, what would you like to say? Yeah. Aspiration, what would, what would you like to say? So I, I'm, get, I, I, I'm not sure if I'm really, maybe I've gone off on a tangent. I don't know how much I'm actually answering your, your question. But I think one way is just firstly is to see this is also you know, creating something, We're solidifying something heart, mind, opposition, yeah, that's actually more dynamic than we tend to see it. And what happens when I see that dynamism? What happens if I open it out to a wider uh, kind of network? Yeah? And then I take, you know, I take the kind of uh, skillful uh, chairperson role, yeah, the one that can listen to the different voices, but also knows when to ask those who've spoken a lot to, to kind of hold their peace for a bit. And allow the quieter voices perhaps more space. Does that, does that make sense? Or does that not answer your question at all? Yeah. Maybe the one thing I would add, I think Nathan's got something to say, and then we do need to, to also come to a close, um, is that sometimes maybe if, if the body's clearer, which it often is, yeah, than these voices in the heart and mind, go with the body, yeah? Listen to the body. What's the body... Saying, yeah, what's the message? How can I become more sensitive to my experience and what direction I want to go in through the body? That would be another possibility. That's maybe a more direct response to your question. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, I I was going to just recognize something in, in what you said related to that, which is, you know, when the heart and mind feel like they're pulling in different directions, it causes a disturbance that we can pick up in the body. And the interesting thing is that it's not just the body sensations, it's something energetically that we can feel. Yeah? And we could say, we can all sense things energetically. Now, Some people might say, "Oh, I don't feel energies, I don't know what this is all about. That feeling, that energetic feeling is dukkha. That is dukkha, that is the pulling apart, that is feeling the tension, that's feeling, you know, I'm pulled and I'm not harmonized. And as we harmonize, gather perhaps through skillful use of the body because we understand ah, heart mind and body they are in conversation they are impacting each other and so we can engage in that conversation in the skillful way of like you know playing in that committee or we can impact input into the conditionality through soothing calming breathing softening opening the sense of the energy opening the sense of the awareness in that way and so Okay, there's a disharmony here. Not needing necessarily to fix it, but what can we do through the body in terms of the way that we relate, shape the atmosphere in which this experience is happening? So, yeah. Not forgetting that insight. Oh, yeah, these really impact each other. Precious insight.